0: Welcome to Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This is a true crime podcast. That's right, a true crime podcast. For those in the back, I'll say it a little bit louder. This is a true crime podcast. This show is a show for grown folks. That little E over there next to my podcast. That means that we use some foul language every once in a while. Just every once in a while. Enough to flag it, you know. So, we talk about really generally vile, disgusting, and horrific things. Dismemberment, disembowelment, death in general. Lots of really horrible, terrible things. But, we also, like I said, we cover the three key things that everybody in life enjoys. Coffee, true crime, and of course, dumpster fires. So, settle in. Come get warm by the dumpster fire. Make sure don't touch it though. Don't want you to get burned. Don't want to get sued. Just saying. But again, all kidding aside, you have been warned. Turn back now if you don't like that kind of thing. And by the way, I like my coffee black and my tea in the harbor. If you don't get that reference, you need to go ahead and turn back now. Otherwise, Settle in and enjoy this week's episode of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 8 of Coffee and a True Crime Dumpster Fire. This week, we're going to talk about a little bit, uh, we'll talk a little bit about survival and living off the grid, getting all the way off the grid. Of course, this week's coffee is um, Seattle's best coffee again. I thought I'd give a different a, a different blend of theirs a try. Again, maybe I have a little bit of a bias because I'm not a huge fan of Seattle's best anyway. Uh, I'll give this one a 3.5 out of 5. This is the 6th uh, Street Bistro. It's a darker roast. I'm not really a dark roast guy. It's just not my thing. Uh, it depends, I guess. Uh, but it, it, they bordered on burnt with this one. I, I mean, you could detect a, a few different. You could pick up a few different little. Kind of a, a, uh, a little bit of a. A floral, kind of a, a flowery flavor to it. It's not really my jam. Uh, it was it was okay, though, uh, caffeine-wise and things. It, it did what it's supposed to do, right? Gave me that good wake-up. So, um, this week we're going to talk about the story of a, a guy that for years was only known as mostly harmless. Discovered out in the Florida Everglades in a tent during a rainstorm, how creepy is that? We'll, we'll get to that later, but how, how creepy would that be to, to discover, to try and get out of the rain and find, you know, see a tent along a camping, tra- along a hiking trail, you see a tent just off the trail, and uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so <clears throat> a couple of weird facts before we really get, kick into this, so the Appalachian Trail is 2,200 or so miles long. Give or take because the, there's times when they have to sort of it's a hiking trail. It's accessible truly most of it is truly accessible only on foot. There's different um, you know there's different trail heads along the way, but the majority of the actual trail is really only accessible on foot. They don't bring vehicles back there. I mean, you probably could, I guess. I don't, I'm not really familiar with the whole trail itself, but you get the idea. It's, it's deep in the backwoods. Uh, so end to end is 2,200 miles ish long. Again, things sometimes have to be rerouted on the trail just because of different events, Mother Nature being what she is. Uh, and so it starts in Mount. I am going to screw this name up. Forgive me. I am all right, just no. Don't don't. Well, if you want to, by all means, correct me in the comments. In fact, I encourage that. If you know how it's pronounced, Katahdin, uh, Mount Katahdin, K A T A H D I N. That's in Maine. Which, for those of you who didn't know, that's actually in the United States, not Canada. Although it's might as well be. Anyway, um, <clears throat> it begins up or well, it that's one end of it up there and and then it stretches all the way down the east coast of the United States to Springer Mountain, Georgia. So there are a lot of people that when they so you're going now now all of a sudden you're going, Mr. C, but you're talking about a dude that died in the Everglades that's not near Georgia. <laughs> so how did we get there? Well, so most people who hike that that Florida the um, the Appalachian Trail they go on and they connect up in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, in Pensacola, Florida. There we go. Sounds better that way, right? Uh, they they connect up with the Florida Trail which is 1500-ish miles. Um, of trail that again from Pensacola all the way down what's essentially the center of the state down into the of course the Florida Everglades. Uh, of course, if you really wanted to just go completely off the grid, which more and more I really want to do that. <laughs> all this, all this uh, COVID and all of the strife and everything else, I just want to go away. I'll, I'll take this opportunity to give a quick shout out and I'll shout him out again uh, later on at the end of the episode, but the Pirate Prepper, he's got a YouTube channel, he will get you kind of in the right mindset to be, uh, to survive when 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 the world caves in on itself (laughs) when society just goes away and there's no more rule of law and all those things that's the guy to turn to. By the way, pirate is spelled P-Y-R-A-T. Um, apparently, he does not own a dictionary. Anyway, I'll mention him again uh, as we get <clears throat> later on in the ep- at the end of the episode. I'll also uh, leave a link in the description of the show to his YouTube channel. Um, I'm not a YouTube guy. Again, I got a face for podcasting. Trust me on that one. <laughs> Anyway, so but there's there's truly though it, someplace like the the Florida Trail or the Appalachian Trail, those are the places really to get off the grid. you know there's limited cell service if any, so you don't really need to even bring your cell phone. You might bring a SAT phone, I guess um, something like that. I, I really don't know I, I, I've never actually done. These, what they're called, they're called through hikes, uh, where you go end-to-end continuously. Uh, to give you an idea, so the Appalachian Trail is 2,200 miles, and it takes, and, and the, um of course, you're going to encounter some some ridiculous weather that you wouldn't necessarily encounter on the Florida Trail, and the Florida Trail, end-to-end, takes anywhere from 60 to 90 days to uh, complete that hike on average so uh, but so getting off the grid there's a guy that did exactly that got completely off the grid ditched his cell phones ditched hit ditched his entire life took out a bunch of cash got a bunch of hiking gear and that's how he survived and they knew they only knew him by, so they only knew him by his trail moniker. So when you're in this community of hikers like this, the the true, you know, Appalachian Trail hikers and that thing, that kind of thing, uh, they are are an interesting group. I, again, doing the research for this story, I learned a lot about, and probably more than I wanted to know. I'm probably on some lists now too uh, about the Appalachian Trail. And surviving on the trail, surviving off the grid, and all those things. Uh, by the way, I... Anyway, never mind. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Uh, anyway, so only known by... A lot of times when you're in this group of people, they don't know your name. They never really know your name. And there's there's these different hiker-friendly... Along the way, they have people, people that live near these... Near the trailheads throughout... Uh, both the Florida and the Appalachian Trail, they kind of open up the, – they live near the, the trailheads, the various trailheads, and they open up their homes to and, – and actually there's actually like hostels and things to these through hikers to kind of get away from the elements and things like that. And they th- – th- you only really know these people when when you interact with them – when they interact with each other, I should say. They only know each other typically a lot of times by some sort of trail moniker, and this guy was known. There's a, a particular guy that we're talking about in this story, who was known as mostly harmless. Uh, that was his trail moniker. Uh, so, on July 23rd in 2018, there's a couple of guys that are out on a hike in the Big Cypress National Preserve. So that's on that's in Ocoee, Florida, which um, is in Collier County, and. It's like on the. It's kind of in the Everglades, but not really. It's still part of the Florida Trail, and it's sort of on the edge of the Everglades, um, or on the edges, technically. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I guess actually, no. I take that back. It's definitely in. The, it's in the Everglades, but it's on the western side of the Everglades, more towards the Gulf Coast side. Um, anyway, so um, these guys are out hiking, and <coughs> they, excuse me. I need a cough button, I think. Uh, Can we have one of those, by the way? I need uh, tech people. Wait, I am the only tech guy. What am I saying? Uh, uh, Note to self, right? Important note to self. Need a cough button. So anyway, uh, these two guys encounter some pretty gnarly weather. And for anyone that knows how South Florida weather works... It's that, tr- it literally is that trope of, you know, if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes and it will change, uh, which is sort of the case here in South Florida in the cone of uncertainty where I'm broadcasting to you live from a secure location in the cone of uncertainty. Um, if I didn't mention that already. But uh, anyway, so these guys encounter some pretty gnarly weather, and so they want to, they're, they're on the trail, and they decide, they see a, a tent off, off the trail a little ways, and, and they go to thinking that maybe, and, and when they look from the trail, the actual trail itself, they see a set of boots, like somebody's in the, inside of the tent, so they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we'll go, so they kind of wander over to the tent. They quickly discover that those boots are attached to a dead guy. Uh, that would be uh, mostly harmless, uh, and he's definitely dead because he'd been dead a while, uh, from what they discovered. <clears throat> so, of course, they, you know, they call the they call nine one one, call the sheriff's office. Now, this is a remote. This is a, again, we're talking about the Florida Everglades. Um there's very few ways besides being on foot to get deep into the Everglades one of which is on ATVs. Um so they do their investigation they don't really fi- they don't find any ID anywhere on the guy in the tent nowhere. There's no signs of any violence or anything in the tent. Lots of valuable possessions are around so nobody stole anything. Uh The so they take him out. They get they take him to the medical examiner's office, and they do an autopsy, and they can't really determine a specific cause of death. Probably, but they can say with a high degree of certainty that he didn't die of anything suspicious. It was anything, you know, he wasn't murdered. Um, He just died. Uh, no outward signs, like I said, no, apparently no signs of, like, cancer or anything like that, just, you know, he died. Uh, natural causes, probably exposure, knowing what I know about the area. Um, knowing what, you know, I mean, knowing what most people know about the area, given its high visibility and high, you know, it's, it's pretty popular. People know, you know, you can ask people in, in, you know... BFE, some podunk town in, you know, in Kansas somewhere. And they're going to know what the, they're going to know about the Florida Everglades. At least peripherally. They're going to know gators and rain and swamps. So exposure is probably what it was. They can't say that officially, but that's probably what it was. And nobody ever said that, by the way. Just for the record, nobody ever said that officially anywhere. Nobody even implied it. But it kind of, if you read between the lines, he died of exposure. So they said that this is a... So they say that this is a guy around 35 to 50 or so... 35 to 50 years old. And was, quote, emaciated when they found him. I don't know. I mean, so, you know, again... Inside, so in also, it's important to know. Um, inside the tent, they had found about thirty five hundred dollars in cash. Most of his gear was higher end, you know, air quote professional grade type stuff, type gear. Um, this is stuff that you'd find with more experienced uh, hikers and and things. So that's what they have to start with. And then they have a notebook that was in with all of his stuff that was kind of a weird uh, anomaly to everything else. Because they didn't find – they never found a cell phone. They didn't find any kind of – they didn't find any photos that I'm aware of. Uh, They didn't find anything that – would tell them anything about this guy's life. You know, they didn't find, again, not a wallet, nothing. No credit cards, nothing. $3,500 in cash. That was it. And the gear. And a notebook. So the notebook is filled with handwritten uh, kind of notes that if you looked at it, and you didn't know if if you were like me and didn't didn't have any uh, experience in computer programming and those things. Uh, well, any any if you didn't work in the tech industry, let's put it that way. You probably wouldn't understand. It's just weird scribbles and letters and numbers and stuff. It's nothing. That it wouldn't make any sense to the average Joe, right? Uh, But they discovered the investigators figured out that the notebook was full of code related to an online game for higher level programmers called Screeps. S C R E E P S. It's so it's what they call an MMO sandbox. So this is a huge this is a huge lead though you would think into identifying who this guy is because these are high-level programmers and what you actually do is you pre-program your like avatar from what I understand. I've got a very, very peripheral knowledge. So please, if you know about if you know about screeps, please Set the record straight for me in the comments by all means, I insist. Go ahead and roast away but the the basic understanding that I have of it is is that it's this online community and you make your avatar or whatever you pre program it to go through a series of events or um if then you do a lot of if then programming to it um I don't really know uh, if then programming seems to be pretty self-explanatory if a then do b, right? Kind of a situation. But this so now they can go back and see if they can backtrack this guy to when he to when he came up on the hiking grid or you know to where he came into the hiking world, if they can backtrack him to that, then they can, you know, if they can backtrack him to this, to a user ID or something on Screeps, then they can probably identify him. Of course, they really didn't have much luck. I think, I think ultimately, they, they were able to narrow down a screen name, but that didn't really lead them anywhere. Um... Again and they of course they ran DNA and fingerprints through a myriad of databases no missing persons popped no wanted people popped no felons no, no convicted felons popped none of that they didn't get any any results initially from the DNA or, well or fingerprints at all right um, so <clears throat> uh they were able to – so, so again, they were able to figure out that he was known as mostly harmless. And they were kind of able to establish a timeline. Um, the only other name, by the way, there is one other name that he used when he would sign into the various hostels and things along the trails. Um, ben Bilmy, Bilemy, B-I-L-E-M-Y. Um, if you really – you can you, – you, it, it's – Benign, really. There's no. There's nothing to that. I mean, it's just random. I think I don't know why he came up with that. Nobody's ever really said. Um, so they, again, they're able to backtrack his timeline, uh, backtrack his life. Uh, through from, from July of 2018, ultimately to where he where the detectives kind of believe that he started his journey into the sort of hiking world and the Appalachian Trail and all of that, they were able to backtrack it all the way to April of 2017 in where he started the Appalachian Trail... In Harriman State Park outside of New York City. Um, can't blame you for wanting to get out of New York City, bro. Just can't. I mean, who, you know, we're talking escape from New York All that, whatever. Uh, time to go. I, I couldn't do that. Uh, you know, I don't uh, do people. That's, again, why I do a podcast because I don't, I'm not a people person just i'm not i'm i'm abnormal i have a few friends and they're just as weird as i am i love you guys but oh yeah go ahead better late than never come on you know who i'm talking about anyway um so again the only real so he would um tell people that when whenever he would encounter these people you know, you on the trail and things like that. As you're hiking and you kind of encounter these people, and you stop and you have sort of brief interactions. And sometimes they make you may hike alongside them, whatever down the trail for a few miles or whatever, or um, you know, small talk around the fire when you're at these hostels. Maybe not necessarily a little literal fire, but you know, the campfire kind of a thing, sort of. You know, warm, fuzzy, get-to-know-you kind of stuff, whatever. Uh, And again, so now we're working back. The the big clue that they have to work with is this goofy, weird Screeps notebook. Um, So now they know, right, that if they find someone who was active in Screeps and then all of a sudden, bloop, they drop off around April-ish of 2017... They probably have their guy, and again, they were able to narrow down kind of a screen name, but that didn't really lead them anywhere uh, because he'd actually, uh, from what I'm able to kind of understand, and I don't know this to be one hundred percent, but kind of the ga- the the sort of the uh, what what am I looking for? Sort of the gist that I get is that his. His coding abilities were so superior—not superior. That's not the word; or the right word, but it'll have to do. He had coding abilities that allowed him to play out the if-then game for a really long time with his with his avatar and whatever. So it didn't really lie. It, from my understanding, is is that his avatar or whatever it was was fairly active after he went off the grid and it and it was never clear to me or I've never found anyone that knew or said anywhere if that was because he had someone else that was working his uh his avatar or if he pre programmed it that way Or someone was working his avatar without his knowledge or any of that. It's not really that clear. Uh, So, ultimately, though, they, you know, thanks to all of this. uh, So we do have a happy ending, by the way. The guy's still, he's not out there just some random, you know, dead guy, unidentified. We have a lot of those. I need to maybe see if I can find some of those, well... See if I can work on some of those to bring you some stories, and maybe, maybe I don't know. Actually, do some super sleuthing among my listeners and things, and and maybe identify some. That's creep. That sounds really creepy. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so <clears throat> forget I said any of that. <laughs> um. So, the good news is, is that ultimately, um. Initially, the sh- Collier County Sheriff's Office sent a bone fragment to a company, and I don't know their name. Um, there, there's so many of them out. Well, not, there's not a lot of them. But the, to a private lab that does this, um, that does the familial backtracing of DNA, you know, so they take it and they find your family first to be able to identify you. And um, which is really creepy. You know, we live in 1984, man. We really do, and again um the the pirate prepper he'll he'll cover it for you, i promise uh be prepared for when y- he gives some some rather harsh reality about life and and kind of tells it how it is uh so be ready for that he he's much more measured with his language sometimes than I am, but uh he'll he'll yeah. He'll scare the hell out of you. Um, anyway, so they're able to identify this guy through back tracing his familial DNA, and they identify him finally as a guy named Vance Rodriguez, <coughs> who was born on February twenty fifth, nineteen seventy six, in Lafayette, Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana. I don't know. I'm trying to do a a a. a, a Cajun, uh, I, I'm horrible with accents, and I'll probably insult some people. That's just how I roll. Trying to be funny, I insult people. Did that today, matter of fact. Trying to be funny, um, social media has lost its sense of humor in in life. That's the truth. Uh, anyway, so they they so then they were able to piece together this guy's life, right? And He really was a highly skilled programmer. He was a lead software engineer for a company called Shopper's Choice. Uh, He designed a lot of their programs and things. Wasn't the most, according to coworkers and stuff, he wasn't the most sociable guy. Um, Just kind of did his own thing. It really seems that it it makes this case kind of sad, to be frank. It's he seemed to have some serious mental health issues. Um, he he was, he made, he made a killing though from what I was able to kind of piece together if you read between the lines um, with this Shopper's Choice and he was a good programmer because there was a, there was actually one of his former co-workers at Shopper's Choice was actually trying to track him down while he was on the trail, I assume, you know, while he was still alive, but he didn't know that he'd gone off on the trail and gone off the grid was actually trying to track him down and, and literally said I would have he was designing some sort of software trying to design some sort of software and said that he literally would have paid Vance whatever he wanted to work on his project and of course you know he missed that whatever um so that's how highly skilled he was uh, but again he's like it's a lot like um Van Gogh or, you know, he was in all, sort of an artist in, in his own right, you know, with uh, with uh, computer programming, you know, with with software. That was his that was his medium of sorts. He, so he was, you know, and and again, a lot of those types of artists. I know I'm getting ready to insult a bunch of people. But a lot of times, you find that after after they've passed, that that some of these the greatest artists known, Van Gogh, all those people, they were um, they they were mentally just they were broken. Something broke in their brain, and that's not and it's nothing. That's not a bad thing necessarily, but it just is. Uh, but he did have a lot of mental health issues. Um, You know, he was – because he was – the Shopper's Choice was located in Louisiana, but he was able to ultimately take his job remote. And this is in 2013, so this was when working from home and remote working wasn't too much of a thing. Of course, COVID really made it a thing, which is a whole nother just – series of podcasts all on it all on its own um but anyway so he was able to take it remote and in doing that ultimately he was able to just quit his gig and in well actually so in 2013 he was able to just kind of from what I re- from what I read I believe it was in 2013 he was able to just up and quit and just live in New York City um you know, and according he had a girlfriend up there uh, that that he lived with for a time and um he just wasn't you know he he wasn't a a people person truly uh, his friend the few friends that he had and they were able to talk to coworkers and things the, the coworkers said that he would come in and put on headphones at work and problem solve that was his what he did for Shopper's choice, I guess, but he didn't want to so- socialize with anybody. He ate once a day and had his headphones on listening to, um, uh, I want to say Alice in Chains, but that's not right. Something along those same lines, the sort of brooding, you know, weird, uh, emo metal type music. He would just put it in his headphones and just go. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I actually kind of like Alice and Chains, but that's another, again, whole other series of whatever. Uh, but anyway, so he would have – his friends said that he would have uh, – I guess you could call them friends, acquaintances, whatever. They said that he would have what they, what they would call – what they called outages, where he wouldn't get out – he wouldn't move. He would enter this nearly catatonic-type state. And he wouldn't move out of bed, or eat, or drink, or anything for days at a time. This is kind of why nobody really reported him missing. I think Th- I think this is this is why. Again, remember there was no missing persons reports or anything. Nobody reported this guy missing or whatever, um, you know. And so, but he dies in the woods, well, in in the swamps, under mysterious circumstances, with a bunch of cash and no ID. First thing I thought when I heard the story was, what did he know about the Clintons? But anyway, sorry, I had to get that in there. Uh, but he, I mean, he would, you know, he would enter these almost catatonic states. And so, being uh, that he's not a real people person, uh, he moving to New York City, that vibe there, uh, yeah, he didn't do well. I just, I wouldn't do well either. I don't think most people would do well in New York City. Most normal people would do well in New York City. It takes a, a certain kind of person to want to live in New York City. It's just, you know, if you're not born there, it takes a certain kind of person to to desire to live there. Uh it just does. It's not a bad thing. It just is, right? Um... But that's I think that's it again. Like I said, that's kind of a key reason that nobody ever reported him missing or any of that because he's just not. You know, he just had this habit of just kind of going away for a few days, just dropping off and not talking to anyone for days or weeks at a time. Um, in fact, he was the, there was one article where where a coworker it was in Wired magazine that. A coworker said, "You know, he for holiday parties that he's quote not the guy in the clown suit, life of the party kind of deal, but he would show up and not appear miserable." Um, that sort of sounds like me. I don't know, sounds like a lot of people I know actually. Uh, <laughs> again, of course, I would know these people right because I'm again got a face and a personality for podcasting. <clears throat> um. So there you have – so again, there's that whole mental health aspect. So there you have the story of mostly harmless, and let's do our friends and and our family and everybody a favor. Again, I know I joked throughout this whole episode even about how I'm not a people person, and I'm really not, But and most of my friends aren't either, but we – my my true friends and I, we, we check in on each other on occasion. You know, more than just, you know, once a year around holidays or whatever. We check in with each other on a pretty regular basis, you know, because it's important. Uh, it's important to mental health, especially around now with all the lockdowns and going possibly going back into lockdowns and all those things. Check in on your friends. Check in on your people. Right. Just call him up, send him, shoot him a text message. Hey, man, how you doing? You live in there? Kind of a thing. You know, um, I I literally send there's there's a gif and about twice a week, my two, two of my my closest friends, I send them both the, the gif of the from Nemo of the little girl tapping on the the K the. Fishbowl of tap tap tap. Hey, hello, or I send the other one. You know of from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective of of that Dick Jim Carrey kind of peeking into the, you know peeking into the little lens. You know kind of a thing. Same thing. You know, whichever. But I but it happens, and and I get I get goofy ones back from them too. Um, at least you know a couple times a week you know I, I the the favorite one that i always get back is but did you die so again check in on your people seriously i mean seriously check in on your people your friends and stuff because they they might need it you, you never know right so that's all i got for you this week stay safe stay sane don't get zipped in and we'll up oh, wait quick two quick shout outs before we go though um Again, I make sure uh, – I'll put a link in my descriptions for the pirate prepper who will just – he'll he'll boggle your mind and, and make you realize how ill-prepared you are. Um, and that's even me being a, a prepper sort of myself anyway. <laughs> he will make you realize how ill-prepared you truly are for when the – uh when the excrement hits the rotary device right um for those of you that didn't catch that it's for when the shit hits the fan uh he'll 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 make sure that that you realize how ill prepared you are for that and he'll get you to where he'll he'll guide you in the right direction to get you where you need to be so that when when it does happen and it's uh i fear coming uh And it could not, it may not be, but it's better to be prepared. I mean, even for the zombie apocalypse, something, right? Um, But he'll, he'll make sure that, that you survive at least for a couple weeks. So again, the pirate prepper, check him out. And the podcast, shout, I want to, I want to shout out a podcast that, that uh, every week has me literally in tears laughing so hard uh, because it's the truth. You know, the 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 truth is always the funniest, and that's um, the guys. Dad's on Dayquil. Um, they are hilarious. I, I literally had me laughing because it's it. They they are so good at, you know, laying out dad life. Dad life for those of you that are not parents, uh, dad life at times is brutal, and these guys make it funny. So check them out. Dad's on DayQuil. Now, now that's it. I'm done. I promise. And I'm signing off. Stay safe, stay sane, and don't get zipped in.